Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, Geekscapists? Welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. This is the Loki Season 1 special. I'm Jonathan London, your host. And if this is your first Geekscape, well, saddle up. I hope you watched Loki Season 1 because we're about to spoil the hell out of it. And I'm not doing this by myself. My good buddy Ian Kerner is joining me here in a bit to um, spoil it with you uh, and with me for you. Um, He is the encyclopedic knowledge of all that is comic books. I mean, just try and stump him. You can't do it. I mean, I try and stump them. I try and throw them questions like, what's the origin of that story? Where did they first appear? And Ian does a pretty good job of, uh, of, of answering every single question pretty accurately. So the dude is very impressive. We got a uh, great amount of feedback on the Black Widow special we just did. Uh, that was a week or two ago um, about that film. And uh, Ian was Ian was just on another level on that one. I know we were supposed to be talking about Black Widow, but he started talking about the MCU developing Dark Avengers, led into a discussion of who we might see in some future films like Shang-Chi, what that might mean for Hawkeye or some of the Disney Plus offerings. We haven't even seen anything from except maybe some leaked set photos. We followed that up with like how the Eternals will work its way into this and what that means for maybe the next phase. And it, I mean, when I get Ian going, there's no telling where he'll take the conversation. So strap yourselves up for this one. We're going to be talking all of season one of Loki, the six part series that was on Disney plus and it wrapped up last week. We could have had this show earlier, but we had Geekscape 600. That was great. Uh, 600 official episodes of Geekscape. Thank you so much for watching that. That meant a lot to me. And, we did it as a four-hour live stream um, telling you to go out and get uh, registered as a blood donor. Go donate blood. Uh, that was the theme of the big episode 600. We had doctors and all sorts of people on the show. That was in memory of our uh, late friend Chris Ellis, who was a Geeks Gavis from the very beginning. And um, that was pretty awesome. And it also wiped me out the entire weekend. <laughs> I had a pretty chill weekend. Just played... I think Dragon Quest Eleven on the Switch for most of the weekend did some work, but um, after the celebration that was Geekscape Six Hundred that you were a part of, the weekend was pretty uh, pretty chill. So let's unchill things. Let's talk Loki season one. Uh, you've had plenty of time to think about the things that happened and in, uh, in the season, what they mean for the Marvel universe. We've got the comments started up on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook, so let's get ready for this. And um, we already have our first comment, so we might need to bring Ian in. Ian, let me know that you're ready, um, because you know what? They're not waiting for you. They're just already bringing comments for you. They're ready. Um, So, Ian, this is the Loki Geekscape special. But before we do that, we've got some unfinished business from the Black Widow special. Uh Uh-oh. 
Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Matt Kelly says, listen, last time Ian was on, it was discussed that if Red Guardian really fought Cap, do you think it's possible Cap jumping back in the past actually allowed that to happen? At the end of Endgame, Cap jumps into the past. Did that allow for him to fight Red Guardian? You, you know, it's it's such an interesting thing. Um there's been so much debate back and forth, even from the filmmakers, about what happened with Cap going back in time, whether it's a different reality or whether it's the reality that always happened. You know, and, and, and that's honestly, I think that the nature of that debate gets into the nature of whether or not there's a multiverse. Right? So yeah, here's which, where which it gets reality tricky. did Cap jump back into? Sure. As of Endgame, I would say there wasn't a multiverse prior to Loki episode six. And so, the ancient one said as much to Bruce Banner. Said, "Listen, like uh, you have to bring these stones back to this right. timeline to, to get rid of these variants." Right. And, Variant timelines. Yes. Episode one, we're told that well, what about what the Avengers did? Well, that that's supposed to happen. Now let's think about what that means. So you see, I'm turning this actually into a Loki conversation. Okay. <laughs> when they say that's what's supposed to happen, okay, what they mean is the timeline that he who remains in Loki has pruned to make the timeline that he wants to exist. This is the timeline that that things all happen and turn out the way he wants, for whatever those reasons are. You know, all along, all the way down to the end of time, he wants this timeline to be the timeline. And in that timeline, the, let's call them hijinks of the Avengers and time travel are part of that. Yes. That stuff's supposed to happen for that to to work out. I mean, it's always a mind fuck to think about time travel and, you know, things going back and forth. So now within that, I think that actually would allow for the idea that Steve might've traveled back in time and had adventures that we don't know about or people didn't know about, but they actually counted and it was supposed to happen. You know, it's tricky because you have to think immediately, how does he do that without messing up the timeline? And then the question becomes, well, here's a cheat of an answer that Steve couldn't know. He does it without messing up the timeline because the TVA is there to make sure he doesn't mess up the timeline. Right. Maybe they went and pruned the Steve that was still hid in the ice no, when maybe Steve went back. anything he does that would have affected the timeline, they pruned that. Yes. The Steve in the ice goes through to become the Steve that goes back. And Steve allows it to happen, even though there is some overlap of old Steve and awakened, an awoken Steve That's right. for a That's bit. Right. He just but pretends, yeah. Presumably, by the time you get to the point that Steve's awake, old Steve is almost as old Steve. Sure. So he's not active doing anything at that point. Yes. But to the extent that you have the team... He wasn't active at all. He just didn't become Captain America, or there would have been stories about him. So my answer to Matt is, he didn't fight the Red Guardian because there would have been stories of Captain America, but he he was just Steve Rogers. Maybe. The world went without a, a Captain America for that time. Maybe. He certainly wasn't posing as the official Captain America working for the United States government. He would have been a it, nomad? It, yeah. It doesn't mean he wasn't doing covert missions and didn't come up against the Red Guardian. I don't think... I think the Red Guardian is just telling stories and making shit up. Sure. <laughs> okay? That's what I think. Sure. But... And, and to be very clear, that's what I thought when I watched The Black Widow for the first time. But in light of Loki episode six, I'm kind of rethinking that a little bit. Because what I'm, what I'm saying is, in light of Loki episode six, what, we've, what we said from the very end of Endgame is, well, anything he did screws up the timeline. So, you know, how does it work? Now it suddenly works. Anything he does that screws things up, they fix. Mm-hmm. It either doesn't screw it up. And they, they literally have guides that show, oh, because he did this, this branch happened. Now, here's the weird thing: is you start talking about the butterfly effect, and come close to the mic if you don't mind. Don't anything mind. he does should cause problems, right? Yes. You yes. Know, unless he's, you know, in, you know, in an an Armageddon Ragnarok situation, right? Anything he does should cause problems. But but the bottom line is is to the extent that they want that Steve Rogers to have gone back in time, have lived. Come, you know, live all the way through whatever other things he does while he's living that life, and then turn around and give his shield to Sam. To the extent that that is the reality that he who remains wants to happen, maybe they work overtime pruning things that Steve does. 
You know, yeah. I mean, that's an explanation for how that works. Steve Frankly, has a, it, it, yeah. it's, the, it's the only one I've ever heard that works. Anything Steve else has his own mind. team cleaning up after him. Seriously. Um, Garrett Briones is already starting in the chat. You have your new uh, best friend here, Garrett. I think you and he are going to meet. Um, and uh, he said he loves how the show Loki season one explored identity, learning to love yourself, literally predestination, fate versus free will and redemption. I agree. I think that the highlights for me, if we just want to start talking about Loki season one, um, that first episode. I started minutes ago. Did, did you, <laughs> you started it. You started. You are the one who remains because you started at the end. It came forward. And now we now we work our way back in the loop. Um, I worked well, episode one in there. Yeah. So episode one to me was like the most fun episode before episode five. Episode five will go down as the like episode that delivered what I believed this show promised from the beginning was wacky hijinks loki multiverse a go-go stuff where we see multiple versions of loki it's insane and that's what episode five was the promise of episode one was we suddenly got this douglas adams style look at the mcu that was so much fun and i loved it season uh, episode two slowed a bit and you have the sequence at the end with with the uh, supermarket. I really think that a lot of season two, uh, or I'm sorry, episode two was, hey, this other Loki, who is it? And we know that it's female Loki by the end of it. Episode three. Um, how do you make that not like that was the one that that really ground to a halt for me. It, it was, you know, you have a planet crash, a moon or something cl- crashing into a planet, yet it was so drenched in dialogue and that and and i felt like they did some things to contradict loki and um you know what's interesting is episode three is actually very short yes and it just felt the longest because it was talking on a train Uh, and suddenly they can't shape shift to hide themselves on a train or do different things i I definitely thought it was a low point um i thought that it was a bit actiony with you know them squaring off against each other it listen for the sake of what the story was it was important and then episode four, which mm-hmm. started things rolling back, especially in those last 10 minutes where you're like, okay, now things are starting to, re- now you're, and now we're really going to question what you thought about this show. When you start, when you start to see Mobius get pruned and then you see Loki get pruned. Yeah. And, I, and obviously the you reveal really that there are no time episode, you know, but I, I actually like that whole episode, episode four. I mean, yeah. Ep- episode four starts to, for me, get that thing rolling again. Yeah, I came off three not even feeling as excited anymore. You know, I was, right. like, I was like, okay, let's see where this is going. Which but, is crazy because you know. that long take that they used to end episode three was really pretty impressive. Yeah. that It was yeah. like a very long shot. It was super cool. There was a lot of choreography to it, a lot of effects to it. I was into it. Yeah. Um, but I really I, liked four. Yeah. I loved five. Five to me was the highlight. And the promise of five in the end credit scene from four was the one where I really wanted oh, yeah. to text you and say, I think we texted Justin and said, Justin, just make sure to sit through the credits because you're going to love it. And in um, five delivered that promise that the, that oh, end yeah. credit six, I think I text you. I we usually geekscape us. Ian and I try not to reveal how we feel about things until we get in this episode. But I got to tell you, I knew Ian watched six at, at midnight. Our friend Justin jumped on it. I started watching six, not much later than Justin did but very quickly sent them a text that said, I'm just smiling ear to ear because Jonathan Masters, we knew was cast for quantum mania and versus what and the Wasp three. We knew that he was going to be in quantum mania. We knew that he was going to play Kang and Ian had said up and down the black widow special. Kang's going to be in episode six of Loki. Kang's going to be in episode six of Loki. And I said, nah, just doesn't seem like Marvel's style to put, like a, a you know a big cameo in the sixth episode of these series, they want the characters to shine on their own. I think that episode six had the big cameo, had the big reveal, had the big setup for what we're going to get, and did an amazing job of having Loki and Sylvie satisfied and explored. I the only thing I missed in episode six was Doctor Doom should have been sitting at the table talking with them because that villain conversation was everything that. I wanted from the conversations in episode three, but didn't feel it had the momentum. Episode six, the, I loved it. 
What's interesting to me about episode six, and I watched it a second time with my stepson, um, is I, I, it seems like, as far as what people are saying out there, it's a mixed bag. People love it or hate it. It's a lot of exposition that you know you really need to be on board for. And that's how episode three you're talking about? No, I'm talking about episode six. Episode six, yeah. But yeah. come on, they did such a great job. Well, that's just it. It's like if you're on board for Jonathan Majors doing what he does and his quirkiness and you're fascinated by it and all that, you know, and it really is. I mean, it, it it's it's kind of, uh, you know, they're dealing with some very heady concepts here, right? Mm-hmm. Of what it's going to be and what's going to happen. But, I mean, for the sake of the story and giving the choice and getting to the stuff about trust and motivation you know, I, I I thought he did a phenomenal job, and it really brought the whole series together. You know, both both Loki and Sylvie. Yes, Andy Rattinger, who I love, is in the chat saying Loki barely said anything. I like the idea, but it was exposition castle for that final episode. But I think that it was it was it was, it was we we've got these two characters. They've been exploring whether or not to trust each other, but not just trust each other, trust the world around them. Trust, Sylvie does not trust the world. She has been living in hiding the entire time. Loki, for the most part... her entire life. For her entire life. Loki, for the most part, only trusts a world that he can control. But then he meets the TVA and he realizes he's not really in control of anything. The second... Which goes back to when the TVA agent opens the drawer and there are power stones in there. There are infinity stones in there. And Loki suddenly realizes... I'm not in control of anything. Not only that, Mobius shows him his entire life and then death. And he realizes he's a variant. He's not in control. That conversation at the end was Loki understanding that he has to probably trust that this version of Kang, we'll call him Kang, but he's maybe more closer to Immortus. Closer to Immortus, going by human remains, which is a whole other character, but related he, um, he, he, I think in that conversation, why I liked it for someone who's like Loki was just didn't say anything. I don't know about that, but um, he, Sylvie's slipping away from him. Yeah. And he's watching Sylvie slip away from him. And I watched that last episode. And to me, I'm watching this, tra- this, this guy who has gone through the, this experience very quickly. And I love episode one because it so quickly caught Loki up to where he was. Before Thanos or snaps his neck in in uh, Infinity well, War. Well, well, here's the thing: it showed it to him, and you have to. And I think I'm glad you brought that up because I, I want to speak a, about the episode six, the villain conversation. But that's a good entry point. And as Garrett says, Loki not saying anything actually says a lot. It does, but but you know, because the trick is, I feel like we need to remember that. You know, coming off of Avengers, the first Avengers, I mean, Loki's definitively the bad guy. He's mm-hmm. killed all kinds of people, right? And and I'm every bit as guilty of anyone else of the, oh, Loki's redeemed. We like Loki. I was excited for this show, you know? But he, for his, fine, he's a god. Other people are beneath him. I mean, you can, if you want to accept it for the sake of what the morality is, you know, I mean, he changes motivation. You know, the, the, the whole idea of, um, the redemption arc, you know, has been around them. Certainly, you know, so many stories, the gunslinger, you know, mm-hmm. archetype, what have you. I mean, I've always thought Xena did it great where she was this crazy bloodthirsty person who killed all kinds of people and she can never, you know, make up, you know, the, the ledger's, you know, too thick, but she's going to keep striving to do it. Right. Um, so I really like, you know, Loki taking the, you know, heroes maybe strongest step, but trying to do the right thing. You know, I like the idea of Loki um, recognizing that, you know, through looking at the TVA files and where he's at and where he ends, makes his end, through seeing what happens to his mother, which is a big motivating thing for him. And ultimately, and I think it was a very clever thing, for having him for the first time ever truly loving someone else and feeling he can have something like that and that motivating him to be more than he's ever been and to really look at what his motivations are. You know, I, I think um, I love that that happens, but I loved in episode six that uh, he remains still questions like, you know, I mean, you're the villain, you know, great. And right now you're doing the right thing, but it doesn't change the other things you've done. I mean, all of us, you know, we, you know, we all have, you know, these things in our past, you know, 
all of us, meaning, you know, Loki, Sylvie, and he who remains, have done a lot of really bad things. You know, as yeah. for whether or not, you know, does that matter in the end? I mean, you know. It gives them places to go. Yeah. Loki now has to, in some form, he's still a villain. He has to play a hero to the threat of the oncoming kings. I mean, Syl- I think that, that's clearly where they're at, yes. right? And, and, and Sylvie has to, I mean, Sylvie really messed up. She pulled the plug that is going to create a giant spiraling shitstorm in but the I, Marvel Universe. But I think she knows she did. I think oh, as yeah. soon as she does it, she's sitting there and she realizes she, she messed up. Yeah, and that is so, the best version of Kang that we saw. Yes. It, it's going to get worse, way worse. Which, um, which, mind you, is Immortus is that version of Kang that evolves out of the conquering and looks down on that past version of himself. You know, where it always gets confusing is, in this, they're straight up saying, look, it's variants, it's different universes. As opposed to the notion that Immortus, or even He Who Remains, used to be Kang, you know, and that's the question. Did he used to straight up be Kang, or was he a version of the same individual? You know, later that, on that 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 just went to a different place. That sure. never was the conqueror. You know, that's a little unclear, right? Mm-hmm. He certainly had the abilities. He 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 took Elias and wiped everyone out. Yeah, I'm guessing that he had to prune the other prune other kings. But he had to. He did. He, he had out, to. Yeah, he pruned everybody. And he had to do it ruthlessly, knowing what they would end up. Right. He had to have experienced the mercilessness of those kings to get to where he was, to understand the threat, to set up the TVA, to set up the fake timekeepers. Right. To do. He had to have been ruthless himself. I don't yeah, think I that think he. I don't think that he ever lived a life of peace. I think he lived a life yeah, of peace no. right up until discovering the multiverse, being threatened by it. And then realizing he had to be the one that became and the top dog. And even looking at Sylvie's story, it's called Blooded. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of bad with the quote unquote good, right? Mm-hmm. And by the way, and, and the ultimate argument is I mean, you know, is his, his argument, I think, is just that look, if there isn't only one universe, then it's all going to lead to no universe. So therefore, let's kill untold, I mean, trillions, quintillions, whatever number you want to use. I mean, it's literally pruning. I mean, before there were all these multiverses and now he broke it down to just one universe. I mean, including Sylvie's and that's why she can't forgive him. Right. It still creates a tragedy. I want to ask you about Sylvie because she's enchanting things. She's Loki's variant, which when he learns to love, let's just keep in mind how shaded that love is because it is definitely a love of self. Um, Is Sylvie the actual like Marvel version, uh, the MCU version of the Enchantress. That's something that like we haven't called her that. So, so the the answer is probably yes. But when we say that, you know, here's the thing, and I love the play that you know it just so happens Loki and Enchantress also both were always war green. Yes, you know, and so you know, and the show obviously you know from the get go and the Marvel emblem in it, it is that green. Um. I think it was, you know, the MCU always does a nod to things in the comics and they do their own take on it. So we've never seen an Amora among the Asgardians. Um, in the comics, there's a point, and I, I think it's worthwhile to maybe talk about what Ragnarok means, both in mythology and the comics, just for a second. So, okay. And I, and yeah. I want you to tell us Sylvie's yeah, six, gonna, 616. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to go there. So, okay. So... So you have, in Norse mythology, Ragnarok is supposed to be the, the Twilight of the Gods, the end, Armageddon, mm-hmm. right? And over the years of the Thor comic, they went there a number of times. And it always would seemingly work out afterwards. And one of, probably, the last time they went there in the comics, they actually had them lose and seemingly all die. And then instead of having a Thor book, they restarted Journey into Mystery, which was the original comic that Thor first appeared in in, in issue 83 and Loki, I think it was in 80, issue 85. And eventually they turned that into the Thor book. But they restarted Journey into Mystery numbering. So they turned Thor into, instead of, I think it was 501 or 502, mm-hmm. you know, it became Journey into Mystery again. And what they did is they resurrected the Asgardians on Earth. You're talking so, about the uh, Oklahoma storyline? Yes, yeah. yes, but they weren't so this all is in Oklahoma. Post, this is post-Snake, yes. But they post-Serpent, all, yes. Yes, but they weren't all in Oklahoma. Right. 
because Loki was female and elsewhere. And they had to be reawakened and all that. So around that time, they introduced a, a Sylvie character who it turned out was someone that Loki created but came out of Broxton mm-hmm. and was saying she was the Enchantress and had some Selma powers and all that. And ultimately, it turned out she went by the Enchantress, but she was not never actually Amora. And Amora, I mean, most recently, Amora, like, banished her somewhere. So she was never the real Enchantress, but she was a character named Sylvia who went by the Enchantress. So it's definitely an Easter egg nod to, toward the Enchantress. She's enchanting things. She has the green motif. I think it's likely to the extent that she's going by Sylvie and she needs a, a code name. I think it's likely that that's where she'd end up. Now the question then becomes, why would she need a code name and where is she going to end up? I think in keeping with, and I think I referenced this on Black Widow. Um, I think that where they're going, they're going to a, you know, sort of dark Avengers Thunderbolts kind of thing. And that's a place that, you know, a place she, I think that she could re- end up if she ends up on earth in the present. So she's the Thor equivalent on a Dark Avenger team. Yeah, the Asgardian. Mm-hmm. And anyway, that that that's what I where I think they're going with that. I think that that makes some sense. That's post Loki season two. I think that would definitely fall post Loki season two. We don't have an air date on that. I think it's safe to say we'll get that in twenty twenty two. And I think and that's I'm, next year, Ian. Yeah, well, 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 hear me out because. What becomes interesting here is, so we know, I mean, listen, we knew going into this show that also the multiverse was going to be there afterwards because we have pretty good reason to believe in Spider-Man No Way Home that we're dealing with the multiverse. I mean, yes. we know definitively definitively that Alfred Molina, who played Doc Ock okay. in um, Sam Raimi's trilogy, in Tobey Maguire, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, you know that, that he's going to show up in, the, in this coming movie and we've heard that jamie fox's electro who character he played in the uh, andrew garfield movies right yes so you know of course they could just be you know reusing the cast but no i don't think so i think they're literally going to be pulling from the multiverse yes and there's rumors that we're actually going to see garfield and mcguire now in charlie cox yeah well the charlie cox is Technically MCU, right. Yeah, He's technically but, but, already in that universe. I, 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 don't, I don't think that's a multiverse thing. And I think that the way they're going to do this, they're just going to embrace the casting. And I think what I've heard is, I've just heard Matt Murdock. I've not heard of him suiting up his Daredevil. Sure. That, that is what I've that. heard as well. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's give it a soft opening to those Netflix characters yeah. coming back. Okay, so we have this Dark Avengers team and Sylvie would possibly be a part of it. Garrett says, I don't know, Ian, I could be wrong, but I feel like Sylvia is too high up on the MCU totem pole at the moment to join the Dark Avengers th- totem, uh, th- Dark Avengers Thunderbolts. I don't know, man. You could say the same thing about the literal replacement for Black Widow. Yeah, Yelena, absolutely. You could say the same, yeah, you could say the same thing for what I believe Zemo is going to end up. I mean, Daniel Brule's a yeah, probably the biggest star of all uh, of them. Uh, let, 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 let me let, and let's be he's going to end up on the Thunderbolts team, probably. Yeah, but yeah, let, let's be clear. When you say high up on the totem pole, well, well, we're not talking about you know episodic versus features because there's no distinction anymore. No, right? That's first of all, and second of all, I mean, is the feeling that she's not going to be in a team because she's too big a deal? I mean, I don't know. It worked in the Avengers when everyone that led movies of their own were then part of an ensemble, so it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, here's the rumor. While you say 2022, we might see a Loki too. I've heard that like... It's not going to be is, longer than that. No, no. I mean, my, my, point, my point was yeah. that... So, so but we Ian, have... Ian, I've heard... That, is, is there a rumor that they shot these things back to back? I have not heard that. I'm not okay. saying it's not true. That I, have part not, of, I haven't looked into it. That at least portions of Loki 2 were shot at the same time. It's certainly possible. The, Kate Aaron, the director of Loki season one, is not directing Loki season two. Yes, but and the, but, and the but writer, she's, but she, yeah. she's also indicated that she didn't have an expectation of there being one. Okay, she doesn't quite come out and say. She kind of implies that. Yeah, that it was kind of a surprise to her. So that says to me that they didn't shoot it yet. Uh, Garrett is just coming at you, Ian. He wants that title. He says, "Wait, wait, why would she be involved with a government sanctioned team while literally unleashing?" The multiverse Thor was on listen, a team listen. that had that yeah, had Nick yeah. Fury. I mean, we're, we're, we're Thunderbolt Ross put the Avengers together. We're just speculating Fury. on what might happen down the line because we're just looking at the analogs. Might. 
You can yeah, put anybody yeah. in. If she doesn't join, yeah. Throg will. So. Yeah, and, and to be clear, that's why it's not happening before Loki season two. But by the way, that team, whatever, wherever they're building is not coming for another, you know, couple of years. Right. Okay. Like we're, we're getting snippets. Like the next snippet is likely in Hawkeye, which will be at the end, end of the year and all, and that'll be Yelena, you know, probably squaring off on him in some way. And with a little bit of manipulation from, you know, um, Valentina. I'm going but, to say that the next snippet is actually the abomination at the end of Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi or yeah. at the end of the I, She-Hulk I series. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It might be that we have him there and then he's in She-Hulk, but yeah, exactly. I think they're building these analogs and this is a clear analog. And I think it's something that will be, that will show her stepping out on her own as opposed to being tied up with Loki, you mm-hmm. know? So season two of Loki, she's still in that. That's going to be before anything like that. I just Ian, think that that's where we're leading and we're probably a couple of years away from it. I knew that there was going to be a second season. I'll tell you this why. We did not get to see Mobius on a jet ski. There you go. We were not going to end the Loki storyline independently of the films without Mobius being on a jet ski. I just didn't think that that would have been cold, dude. Yeah. If he'd gotten pruned without being on a jet ski, if it, it, we need to see Mobius on a jet ski. I think I'm being, I'm kind of joking, but I think I'm actually being pretty serious. No, I think you are. Um, that being said, what is, this is going to open up a can of worms, but what do we actually get with a, um, with the next iteration of this collapse into the multiverse that we saw at the end of episode so, six, so, because, because, so, because Ian, we've heard, I mean, obviously we knew that Jonathan Majors was cast as Kang in quantum mania, but that's an Ant-Man wasp film. We've got a pretty serious multiverse movie coming up pretty soon in February with Dr. Strange two. Right. How do we not see, how do we avoid having a Kang moment in Dr. Strange 2? Well, here's the thing. Maybe we get one, but we don't have to. All we know right now is now there's a multiverse. It doesn't mean that anyone dealing with the multiverse necessarily deals with Kang. Okay. It's just that it exists now, where, whereas before this series, we have every reason to believe that the, that the MCU that we had been watching had the multiverse eliminated from it. Mm-hmm. So now I think the notion of the multiverse of madness is now Dr. Strange suddenly has to deal with this, whereas he didn't have to deal with that so much before. Now, look, we knew that there were other, you know, realities above, below our own with, within Dr. Strange. Dormammu was in another reality. Mm-hmm. So like my feeling prior to this was the multiverse already existed, but, you know, maybe this thing otherwise. And, and, and by the way, that's another thing. The multiverse did exist before. There was a previous multiversal war. And then the way that He Who Remains ended it was to use Alioth to prune those other universes. But they did exist before. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is it that now new multiverses are coming to being? Or is it multiverses that existed before are coming back into being? I think once you prune it, it's gone, Ian. But remember, with the pruning... Pruning, it's not like, hey, here's this moment, and then after this moment, now it starts. It's throughout time, because time isn't linear. Okay. Literally, the TVA has to travel so throughout time. So it reattaches. Time. Yeah, so, so it, 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 for instance, it's not necessarily a reattachment. You could say it's a brand new one. Draw a It picture. doesn't matter, because... Draw a picture. The, the, the point is that it can start from any when. Yes. From any time, right? So, okay, so look, you got this, you got the, the Marvel 616, and then you got another one, and it gets pruned. You're saying there's an interruption in that timeline, and then it reattaches itself and, re, and, and starts again later down. Well, no, line. I'm saying, so 616 keeps going, but the thing is, so fine, you have 616, which is the comic universe, yes. right? But the interruption isn't just, look, they're at the end of time, right? you know, in that episode Loki. So, you know, we're seeing new multiverses being formed, but first of all, the, what we're looking at, we don't necessarily know when that is. It's not like it's happening at the end of time. Yeah, it could be happening it's before happening that. It's happening anywhere, right? So it could be happening long before any of this. Yeah, which is why and how you could have crazy different variants. Like, you know, like, like Alligator yeah, you, Loki, you know, I mean, whatever. Caveman I mean, Loki. Yeah, so you, you mentioned Frog. Yes. 
So he mentions Throg. So notwithstanding that we know from the comics, but they actually reference in Ragnarok, in Loki's little play, the time that he turned Thor into a frog. Yes. Which, you know, the inference is that that was a real thing that happened in the MCU. We just didn't see it. Okay? Odds are it happened, you know, long before the Thor movie. Right? Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Maybe it happened in between movies. We don't know. You know, well, probably not because Loki shouldn't have been around. So it happened before. But the point is that Throg existing, particularly as a variant, implies that there's a moment where he was actually going to go off and be Throg for a while. So they pruned that. And that is the Throg that we see trying to find his way out of a bottle. or Trying to get to Mjolnir. Trying to get to Mjolnir. But, okay, so explain Throg to me. So in the comics, really for the audience, I in the comics, initially, Loki turned Thor into a frog and he was still worthy. And he grabbed Mjolnir and it became Throg, you know, Frog of Thunder. Because mm-hmm. Marvel liked the idea of him so much, they weren't going to keep Thor a frog. After they turned <laughs> it back, they actually had uh, someone named uh, Simon Walterson, a take on Walter Simonson, the Thor creator, basically. Um, get turned into a frog and find a sliver of Mjolnir. And so that's he's, the frog we have. Yeah. He's the frog that we still have. Did you watch, did you read last week's um, Thor issue? Yes. Thor, the first page, I opened it up. There's Throg partying in Asgard with all the Asgardians. Yes. Super happy about that. Um, and Richard Allen Royce said, something. Uh, he brings up something that I definitely picked up on. I think you picked up on it too. The episode opens with, Sylvie and Loki approaching the castle at the end of time or whatever it is. And they're actually like approaching it to Steve and Peggy's music with the dancing at the end of Endgame. Or when the Marvel credits are rolling through, that's the music that Steve and Peggy are yes, dancing but, to. But, but, but actually, the whole, all of the um, credits played snippets from things we've heard before yeah. from the MCU. Yeah, we heard some. They're saying that it's, yeah. I took it as symbolism that everything's kind of congealing and going off in different directions and you know it's just all these moments it's all this is the end of time but it's all a tapestry and we're talking about the marvel logo when it's coming in yeah yes. i definitely picked up on the steven peggy music and then i think you hear uh you hear this black widow or scarlet which somebody call out you hear something you hear a lot of different things yeah you definitely hear you definitely hear on the left yeah and all that stuff um so will we get more throg can we see see Throg and like a god of? I mean, here's the thing: we're getting love of thunder or love and thunder and love here's and thunder. Thing. Thor, we, Thor. I'm telling you the thing. I say I say here's the thing first, so I have to tell you the thing before you counter with what you believe the thing to be. You can't counter a here's the thing with what you believe the thing to be without establishing the thing. We could be talking about the same thing, Ian. Okay, that's, so that got to the end of the phase. Yeah, you are about to create a nexus event. When two things that you believe to be the thing meet, it might be the new thing. So two so, things meeting the multiverse is happening. It's and already happening. Do we have to get the Fantastic Four movie before two things meet? <laughs> oh, man. So the one thing we haven't talked about on the multiverse of madness, the quantumania, and where Kang exists is that off with the Guardians, we're having Thor adventures with, and it's going to involve Roxxon which you said was one of Sylvie's origins recently. But um, we get this Love and Thunder storyline, which are we going to get a Thor 4 in a Thor movie that doesn't have Loki as a part of it? That's a big question, right? I mean, you would think that if he was there, they wouldn't have been able to keep that a secret. But, I mean, I certainly hope he shows up. Mm-hmm. You know, and the question, look, here's, here's another big question. He got thrown through that door, and now he's somewhere where instead of the Time Masters, it's Kang. Kang's statue, and they don't know who he is. Yeah, so so this is a Kang that is potentially more, um, but, more, but more involved thing. with the TVA. So, He's so directly involved with the TVA. So he got thrown through a door, but just because Sylvie kills He Who Remains shouldn't necessarily change the universe they're in. So that says to me that he got thrown into a different universe. Yes, because Mobius doesn't recognize him. Right. So he. So now, now we're looking at a tempad situation where it's like he has to jump between time and universes. Mm-hmm. Okay. My point being that the Loki that ended up surviving 
in Avengers at the end of Endgame that jumped isn't in the same universe as Thor Love and Thunder anymore. Right. He's in some alternate universe where Mobius is working directly for Kang as they were working directly for the Time Lords. They're now directly working for Kang. All those statues are now Kang statues rather than Time Lord statues. So this is potentially a... Time uh, Time Lords of Doctor Who. Yeah, uh, Time time Master, Time Master. So is that right? So so now... Loki's potentially in a multiverse that is, or a, ver- a place where it's closer to whatever Scott Lang is going to deal with in Maybe. Quantumania. They could, where, they where could deal with totally is... different Kangs. Too many Kangs. There's going to be Kangs everywhere. Council of Kangs. The Council of Kangs, which we want that Fantastic Four movie, but this whole thing introduced the Council of Reed idea, right? It's basically a bunch of Reed Richards finding smart the other versions of reed richards so they can have a council to counteract the multiverse of council of kangs where kang just wants to conquer reed just wants to protect what about the there's council no of reed richards the council of what council of ricks yeah wait what's that rick and morty oh i haven't gotten that far you love it uh, <laughs> council of ricks buddy gotta watch it uh Spoilers. let's see uh Garrett Briones says one of the variants, one of the Loki variants is possibly already there is how I took it. Um, you're talking about the Kang variant. Yes. The King. Yes, variant is already that's right. There. L- Loki uh, got thrown yeah. into a universe where, because already it exists. Where Kang is working directly at the top of the right. TBA in the same way the time masters were. So behind that door is probably a Kang at this point. Yeah. If there's a, if there's a door similar to the one that Sylvia was trying to get through. That's right. At the end of episode four, there's probably a king behind. He's that door in the now. universe where the person pulling the strings didn't feel a need to act like it's someone else pulling the strings. Yeah, he's pulling them directly. Uh, so Bolty has a king question. Where does King's power come from? I mean, he does seem to just be a dude. He can travel through time and see all that happens. But how does that actually negate the power of the Infinity Listen, Stones? That, how that, does he build his his power? That's a really good question. You know, I, I've thought a, a bit about like the time travel. Um, they didn't really go here, but you know, we, there's an Easter egg in Ant-Man and the Wasp where you see Chronopolis, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one that, like, like, Pey- well, Peyton Reed brought that up as part of like his pitch for introducing the Fantastic Four. Cause you can see it very, I mean, did you see it when you first were watching Ant-Man 2? No. Yeah. It was something that like, it needed to be, yeah. Yeah, like Peyton Reed brought it up and like they zoomed into it. And I was like, yeah. oh yeah, there is a little city over there. Yeah. And I only know it for the comics because, Janet was lost there for like years and then it ended up being like in Central Park and she just stepped out of it and was like, okay, right. I'm done. Um, well, well the, so the point is, or the question is, I went into episode six going, okay, looking at it, you know, the kind of purplish thing, like was that city that we see in episode six the same city? Is it in the quantum realm? Which from my perspective, um, that makes some sense. They The Avengers used what would be considered primitive technology to Kang to travel, and, you know, they actually have to, you know, physically go through it, right? But by, you know, in a thousand years, you know, he can have technology that, you know, that was initially based on that that makes it seem instantaneous, you know, i.e. his temp head and the doors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, he has the ability to... Um, obviously jump so easily, which is similar to what they were doing, you know, in episode one, it, 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 the punishment keep, for Loki. Keep in mind, the Avengers aren't the only ones who've done that. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did it too. They traveled the quantum realm to tra- yes. go back in time. Yes. So, Geekscapist? Whether, whether, whether or not that counts or not. It counts. But, but regard- Look, it but, counts, but, Ian. The point Agents is, of S.H.I.E.L.D. counts. The only thing that hey, doesn't count is uh, Inhumans. Is, and what about the last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? A little murky. But anyway. But the point is that, you know, we're talking about where does he get the power? Where does he get the technology? I mean, you know, I think that he already, we already have the start of that power. You know, where does he have the computing power to keep track of all these different universes and all these things? I think the start of it comes from Ant-Man. I think the start of it comes from Henry Pym's research. That's the start of that. The exploration in the quantum realm, which yes. in 
the 33rd, and utilizing the quantum realm. So in the 31st 33rd century. century or 31st century, when the when the the man who who's at the time and whatever guy at the crosswalk, maybe Nathaniel like, Richards. Mm-hmm. I'm not maybe you know, but the immortus like king that we met in episode six, they're all from the 31st century, and they've all picked up on whatever the equivalent is. The derivative is of Henry Pym's of Hank Pym's te- like quantum realm exploration technology at that point. So those aren't powers; those are technology. They're just right. technology that I mean, we it's, can't it's, fathom. It's telling if you know that that he would put that city in the quantum realm to view the, everything else. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that bothered me um, in Ant Man and the Wasp, particularly as has it related to Endgame, is it didn't really make sense to me. Why does Janet Van Dyne age? But Scott doesn't, and it's instantaneous for him. What? So Scott Lang is in the quantum realm, yes. and he comes out, and five years have gone minutes. by, but instantaneous for him. Yes. Janet Van Dyne got stuck in the quantum realm, so I yes. guess the argument but is for she was a much stuck. longer time. Well, she was stuck, so she had no way out. So I think the argument is that she just was physically there that long and aging. She could have stepped out a minute after she stepped in. She could have stepped Somewhere out at a different else. time, at yeah. a different time, point in time, but she didn't. So she actually aged by physically just being there that long. Mm-hmm. I think that's you, the answer to that. Because by your science, she should look like Grease too, Michelle Pfeiffer. Well, only if she just happened to come out, you know, a minute after she went right. in. You know, but the argument, I guess, is that if Scott can go in there and come out at any time, the time really ha- happens there. It's just a question of when you step in and out. But you still are aging there. It, it seems to be the case. Okay. So so it, it's tricky. Like, should he, he, should he have been able to go in and, and grab her, you know? But yeah. Well, Ian, we, we're going to be dealing with Kang for a while. Mm-hmm. At least through Ant Man of the Lost, and, and very possibly different Kanks, different Kanks, which, so, which, could, which might get very messy. I so, think they probably won't make it that messy. Yeah, uh, Bolt T wants to know though, what is the motivation for Evil King, King the Conqueror? So you end up controlling everything. You just want worship. Yeah. Like we know what Thanos wanted. What does Evil King want? What yeah, Thanos he, wanted, he, but he, everywhere. He's power Look, you know. I always took the Kang the Conqueror motive as he's, he's Dr. Doom on steroids. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Dr. Doom wants to rule the planet and Kang wants to rule every iteration of time in the universe. And, you know, for years there was speculation like that he was giant, a descendant of Dr. Doom's. Yeah, that's something Before like they turned it into the Nathaniel Richards thing. Pain in the ass to rule everything. Like, I just, I mean, which which is, I'm making a joke, but it sounds like the Immortus version that we had on episode six did find it as a pain in the butt to rule everything. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, this is awful. Y'all can have it if you want it. I'm and, just and, over and, it. And, you know, so let's let's talk about that for a bit. And, what and, did he yeah. want to happen? I actually want you to explain the Nathaniel Richards connection because a lot of people referenced it after episode six. It, you know, it, it, it's murky because for a while in the Fantastic Four book, they introduced Reed's father, okay, who was Nathaniel Richards, who traveled in time. They even brought him into a S.H.I.E.L.D. thing. But then then they go and they say a thing like, you know, so at one point it seemed like they were implying that, but then they end up just saying that, oh, he might just be a descendant. Yeah. So it's just one of those murky things. I think in the comics, uh, if you, if there's a character that runs long enough, they worked for Shield sooner or later. <laughs> Something happened where they were involved well, with well, Shield. Like well, if it's well, Peter Parker's parents, if yeah. it's like Natasha Romanov, like they ended up working with Shield. It's Leonardo da Vinci. It's a, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's bring back let's Howard bring, Stark. They all ended up working for Shield sooner or later. So for a version of Shield. Yeah. Um, Andy had a good advice. He said like it'd be real creepy to have hire a young actress to be Michael Douglas's wife. Um, yeah. But you know, I mean, what, what you know, would be less Hollywood? What would be more Hollywood than that, though? Well, I was just going to say, you know, art <laughs> imitating life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Ian, where do we go from here, man? Like, we still have this movie floating out there that I, I feel like it's floating out there that's disconnected from everything else, which is the Eternals movie. Like, how does that? Why did Marvel make this movie? Not that it's why do you think it's disconnected? Okay, so how does it connect with all this, you know? To quote well, Jeff, already, yeah. We've already talked about 
how, I mean, if they do it, anything like the comic, that we're going to, you know, find out that Thanos is an offshoot of the Eternals. Sure. But so we're, we're past Thanos now. Why release okay. the movie now? I mean, look, why release the movie now? I, I think it's about having, you know, other IP to develop, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to be. Well, that's the, yeah, I mean, that, but, but narratively, no. narratively. What can it tell us? Because cause here, I can ask that question, but we got a fantastic Black Widow movie that people could always yeah. argue, why, do you, why, why would you release that now? But I thought the Black Widow movie was great now. Yeah, you know, I feel like what you're asking me with that question is how does it fit in with the Kang of it? And, th- and that's, that's making an assumption. No, Clearly I, Kang's no. going to be a big part of things, you know, but you know, we, we, we speculated for a while what was going to come, what was going to be the big thing to build up to a la Thanos. You know, and there may be more than one big thing. It's entirely possible that they do Galactus before they resolve Kang. Sure. You know, because Kang probably, I mean, l- even looking at Thanos, the Kang of it probably doesn't get resolved for three phases. No, Kang just, you, he's a bug that you cannot squash. Like, yeah, it's, he, it's probably there, something that, that keeps popping up here and there for the next 10 years. Every time you kill a Kang, there's a, more Kangs. Like, it's it, a big, there's more it's Kangs. A big yeah. effing, what Sylvie did is the worst thing she could have, like anybody and, could have possibly done. And, and I would think that if they want to go to this, a secret world place, a secret world place, which I think they eventually would to resolve this, they probably don't do the Beyonder so much as they do a version of Kang, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe but they do. But. That's the original two uh, Secret Wars. I think that the, they'll more likely do the most recent Secret War. Right. And the incursion event did. and the whole thing, which is very much multiversal war. Yes. You know? And ultimately, the thing that might cure the king is the Doom. Dr. Doom can stop King. Maybe. They're, you know, they're, the, the, the thing that can stop King is Richards and Doom working together. Maybe. I mean, but, I'm, I'm fantasizing but, now so as let, nerds let, do. Let, um, let, let, let's address real quick the whole... Because I had a friend that was really bothered by the idea of Infinity Stones being baubles in Loki and felt betrayed that the, the last 10 years didn't count for anything. I said, no, you're looking at it the wrong way. So first of all, you have to realize that in the comics, the idea of the Infinity Stones is, yeah, there are these powerful things in their universe. You take an Infinity Stone into a different universe, it doesn't have any power there. Yes, it is the, it's just a, a paperweight. Right. So the idea then at the TVA was like, well, well they're outside the universe. So, and there's been, there could be multiple ones of them because every time there's a variant and the stone's part of that variant universe, there's another one that they pruned. Mm-hmm. So it makes total sense. I, I think the, the visual of it was also just really powerful to make a statement that, that we're beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I thought it was actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean cosmic powers can't come into play here. You know, it doesn't mean that, you know, Kang versus Galactus is not a good day for Kang. No, no, he just gets swallowed like real quickly. Un- unless he manages to do, do some kind of time jump or universe jump quick enough to get away. Yeah. No, Kang is still a man. Still a man. But his, yeah. but his, but his, techno- and, and, and yeah. likewise, the Celestials. I think the Celestials are going to play a part, a big part in the Eternals. Okay. And we've seen the head of the Celestial as nowhere in Guardians of the Galaxy, so we know that they exist. That is kind of where I wanted you to start talking. Is you've got the this? Well, maybe you got to give me better prompts, John. No, no. Listen, I'm just what I, the thing is. If I if I if I tell you what I want you to say, in then like the encyclopedic. Knowledge won't spill out. It'll be. Channeled. I'm too contrary for you to tell me what you. Want it'll to be say, it'll so. be channeled into my narrow scope of the Marvel universe, as yeah. opposed to your very wide breadth of the Marvel universe. Um, Richard Allen Roy says, "Hey, Kang could use a council of sorts to help him rule, except for the problem that Kang doesn't want to share, okay. and that is the difference between the, the like the the council of Reed is that's why the council of Reed beats Kang every time because they share good ideas and Kang does not want to share." Um, Mark M says, do you think the Fantastic Four movie will be the Infinity War endgame to the Kang no, saga? not even close. No, since it seems to be a fractured t- timeline has affected every movie coming out before. Mark, I think what we're what I was saying earlier is, more, is a more likely scenario where we end up getting a, um, a secret war, a type, a secret war type movie where Doom works to, to solve the Kang storyline. Here, here's the thing. This is my hope and this is a theory that makes sense to me for a lot of reasons. I hope and think we're going to get both the Fantastic Four and the Mutants by virtue of the multiverse 
because that's a way to give them to us without it saying, oh, they were you know, here the all F- along. Yeah, the FF. Yeah, because I mean, as a comic fan, as an old school fan, I don't want like baby FF. I mean, it was already tr- tricky with Spider Man. The fact that Spider Man was a teenager when he started, you know, they made it work. But you know, but the idea of you know that Spider Man not having been around for a long time, sure, you know, was troublesome. But for the FF and the X Men to not have been around for a while to just be like just starting out, that yeah. that's gonna. Especially when, when Fury, et cetera, and all these resources know yeah. that, like, the existence of the Kree and the Skrulls, chances are they know that there are mutants in their backyard, too. Right. right. Or, or, or they would, but, you know, but a, a, a multiverse is a way, and w- what I mean by that is you could bring them in via the multiverse, and then ultimately what's likely to happen is we're going to end up with the, the One Earth thing that... More or less, I mean, it sort of happened after Secret War. Obviously, DC did it a little more definitively. Mm-hmm. But we're going to end up with a patchwork kind of world, ultimately, I think, where, you know, it's just going to be people who remember them having always been there. Right. Um, I mean, okay. listen, we've already seen, you know, several times, you know, done particularly well in the Ant-Man movies where there were adventures before. You know, the fact that Hank Pym and Janet, you know, Van Dyne, were Ant-Man and the Wasp in the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, just because people didn't know about it, they were. I mean, there have been, whether they called themselves the Avengers or not, these, these situations have already existed. And by the way, the, the comics have done that too. I mean, the comics did a 50s, you know, version of the Avengers, and most recently they've been doing the prehistoric Avengers, you know? So, you know, they do that, and even though no one knew about it, doesn't mean it didn't exist. Yes, and you can tie that in because... We already have Odin, who was a part of that team, and if we get the mutants, we get probably get the Phoenix, which was a part of that team, sure. and the Ghost Rider was a part of that team, um, and obviously the uh, Eye of Agamotto was a part of that team as well, right? And and you know, and Black Panther. Black Panther was a part of that team. That spiritual area that he goes to in Black Panther, that lineage. Um, okay, so Garrett says, like, listen. The Eternals are being introduced now in the wake of the Infinity Saga and will factor in when they're needed. Yeah, I mean, they're not, I mean, are they gardeners of the gardeners of this experience? Are they Look, gardeners I, of the Earth? I, what are they? I, I think in the Eternals, we're going to get a very big conversation about their decisions to not get involved. And I think there's going to be a big philosophical thing between certain characters there uh, regarding, you know, whether they should or not. And then going forward, we've already seen in one of the trailers, right? That, um, you know, Icarus talking about how he can step in and lead the Avengers and they all laugh at him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, clearly there's a motivation to be more involved. I mean, listen, you know, um, Black Knight classically is an Avenger, mm-hmm. as is Cersei. So right. I think that beyond Eternals, we were going to see that. You know, I, I, I've said this numerous times. I think where we're going is, look, there's no Avengers, new Avengers movie on the docket. And... Tellingly, I said New Avengers. Um, I think what we're going to see is, I think we're going to see a version of Dark Avengers, kind of Thunderbolts kind of thing, come together, and then the Avengers are going to reform. A new Avengers are going to form to an answer to that. You know, and it with, with my, Sam Wilson. Yeah, and, and it's not necessarily that they're going to fight them so much as they're going to be an answer to them, you know, like a, hey, you know, this is not the right ideals. But yes, I think it's going to be Sam Wilson's Captain America who's going to lead the charge and bring an Avengers team together again. Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to be on it. I mean, you know, likely winter soldier, likely, you know, war machine who at that point might be iron Patriot, you know, I mean, we'll see what name he's going by, you know, but um, you know, something like that. Uh, Bolte has the most important question for you. Ian. They recast Chris Evans as the human torch in the new Fantastic Four series. Yes. Well, that's the thing is I think they're recasting all of that. <laughs> no, you no. Know, Chris I, I Evans think... as, the fanta- as the human torch. Well, he's torch. saying recast. He was cast as the oh, human torch. Oh, no, I thought you meant bring Chris Evans back to the MCU, no. but, uh, but as Johnny. <laughs> uh, but... I mean, look, the, the joke is ten, if this was 10 years ago, you would definitely get Hugh Jackman as Wolverine and they would probably keep mm-hmm. you know, all the cast. But now at this point, everything's getting recast. Everything's got to get recast. You know? but, but, but to your point, yes, I mean, in keeping with my theory, they easily could have just integrated off of what already exists in those other movies if they wanted to make them truly canon. And right. they, do, they do own that IP, but I don't think that's what they want to do because I think they just want to take their own spin on everything. 
which, so they don't want to be beholden to it. It's been 20 years. It's time to do yeah, this. Um, and we're, not, done we're, it, not, we're not counting the other one. Yeah, they've, one. they've done it three times already as uh, with Spidey, so why not? Um, and there's always a multiverse, so you, you can always have yeah. it. Um, they've arguably done it with the FF three times. Exactly. Garrett says, if we're getting into the multiverse, we need Captain Britain and the Brit- Captain Britain Corps. We need it. He needs it, Ian. I mean, yes and no. You know, one of the one of the messy things is you know you have Saturn Nine and the Captain Britain Corps multiverse, but it always sort of feels like that's a different multiverse than you're dealing with el- elsewhere. I right? agree. I you know, agree. You have Hickman's incursion event, but it doesn't really seem to deal with all those Captain Britain realities. Right. You and know. It, and I thought that the, it, things got really messy in the Xbox recently when you had that war between the, the, the Kirkoa and. Arakau and all that stuff, and you were in then in the midst the of it. And... In the midst of it, there's that whole drama with the Cat and Britain Corps and the the tower. And I was like, okay, you added one too many things in this narrative, and well, it's a little messy. Well, well, I'll give them this to their credit, and, and, and recognize that all that Cat and Britain stuff is all the brainchild of Chris Claremont, who's the you know who so much of the X-Men definitive theory. X-Men stuff yeah. comes from, you know, and. From the get-go with that conflict, they have Saturnine in the center of it. So mm-hmm. it did sort of make sense that they did that and they went there. And they sort of, they reestablished the Captain Britain Corps out of it. So to the extent that I feel like that was a great way for them to have used that crossover to actually affect, you know, something meaningful in the book and have that crossover have meant something. Um, I think this is sort of a big tangent for the sake of people listening to an MCU yeah, sorry about that. Um, podcast get- versus a comic book one. but. You don't do those with me. The X Men, it's going to get pretty messy if we start introducing yeah. all this stuff, especially. I the mean, current way back in the, the in the early days of Geekscape, when Talk it was just me. the one the one thing, the one show we did, and we do a comic book segment, and we would talk about comic books. Now I have to you know, throw a little comic book stuff into these because <laughs> the only time it happens. All right, I have a question for the Geekscapists, and we'll wrap on it. We uh, usually on Geekscape, but don't just do the Ian Kern special. I usually have a guest, and we talk about you know, what they're working on, if they're working in movies, comics, video games, all that. Or we just talk news and reviews and all that stuff. Usually Katie is my co-host. Uh, maybe we have some of the Geekscape uh, hosts from the other podcasts on, and we keep it family like we did Geekscape 600. Do you all want me to work Ian into that uh, rotation? Because Ian has a wife. He has a stepson. The other oh, Geekscapists wow. don't do that. Ian's pretty busy. But I will gladly work Ian into the rotation of the quote-unquote, as Dominic Toretto says, Geekscape family. I will work him into the Geekscape family rotation for that kind of stuff. But um, Ian, you're just a busy dude, man. Like, come on, man. It just depends on timing, you know. Okay. I mean, I, I All right. Do every now and then. All right. Because Bolt T says, anything for more comic book talk. So I'm down with that. Okay. Um, and Garrett, you're getting the love here, Ian. I would like to hear more Ian if he's up for it. Sure, so, I'm up for it. We love you, buddy. You know, and I'll tell you what, like we had a fun Geekscape 600, but we we launched this show years ago, just you and I, man. Yeah, listen, I like the idea of talking comics because it makes you have to actually read them. I, did, I read comics, I just don't read the DC stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, know, well. I picked up that DC multiverse book, though, because I had Captain Carrot in it. Yeah. Couldn't pass that up. Couldn't yeah. pass that up. DC, you want yeah. my hard-earned dollar? Put some more Captain Carrot in your comics. That's um, right. In the Zoot crew, and then you got Jonathan. Uh, all right, buddy. Loki season two. We'll see what it, what happens. But it sounds like trying to put a bottle, uh, you know, trying to put a cap on a bottle that's just not going to get closed. You know, that's my prediction. And it will end with some version of a jet skiing Mobius. And that's all I can guarantee you for season two. Maybe. <laughs> Anything else to add? No, no, I okay. think that's it. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to it. I think it was a, a definitely a, a, a cool way to end it. I hope it's sooner than later, but I mean, you know, what, what I wanted to say was I think that we get Loki season two before we get um, Ant-Man and the Wasp of Quantumania. I think it's likely after Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And I think that makes sense because right now it is a mess. In Multiverse of Madness is February. Right. Yeah. And then if we get Loki sometime next year, we'll probably get it right before Quantumania, which is probably that February spot in 2023. Or a spring spot. All right. Geekscape is you can follow us. Geekscape is on Twitch. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. 
Uh, we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group called Facebook uh, called Keekscape Forever that you'll enjoy. Uh, we have more conversations like this. Ian's part of it. Come find us on Facebook uh, and share that. You can follow Ian on Twitter at Ian L. Kerner. Ian L. Kerner. You can yeah. follow, follow me at Jonathan London on Twitter. If you want to email me about anything, it's Jonathan at Geekscape.net. We have tons of shows. We have a multiverse of our own. We have about 10 to 12 podcasts here at the Geekscape that's like comics. And we don't have a comic show. We have a video game show. We've got wrestling. We've got horror movies. We've got all sorts of fun stuff. So look for Geekscape on any of your podcatchers. Subscribe. And if you like this episode, hit the share button. Share it with your friends. Please create uh, expand my king powers every time somebody listens to jonathan it's just another variant of jonathan being heard in other people's ears that is horrifying uh love you go out there and donate blood in memory of our friend uh chris late geekscapist who we lost in may and for ian kerner thank you for joining us geekscape forever don't hate create bye bye you're listening to the geekscape network 